0: So I've been thinking about this particular story in Luke chapter 15. So I don't have any slides this morning for the So You guys will have to look this up in your phone or in a Bible. I think there's some Bibles in the pews in front of you. you want to follow along. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to take a moment right up front just to read through this entire story. This is the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. And this is something, uh, a story that I've been kind of reading into, and it, it's become part of my prayer, and it's become part of my understanding of my identity in Christ, and, and understanding who the Father is. So I think that if we, can, if we can continually gain an understanding of who the Father is, well then we continually gain an understanding of who we are. So it's not, who am I, who am I? I think it's, who are you, God? And then because of who you are, who am I? Right? We can't can't forget that piece, And so the story of the prodigal son, I've, I've talked just a little bit about it in some of my sermons past and referencing little things here and there and, and, and making points. But I've wanted to preach kind of this, this story in its fullness or teach it in its fullness uh, or its entirety, excuse me, for some time now. And so a couple of weeks ago when I was looking at the calendar, I realized I was preaching on Father's Day. And so I thought, well, what better time to explore the love of the Father than on Father's Day? And so here we are, it's it's great to be here It's really cool that, I can't remember how many weeks It's maybe been two or three weeks since I've been up here teaching And that just is part of my heart, my understanding For my role here at the Source Is to not not have to carry this this pulpit as You know, to think that I have to have a word every single Sunday Like the Lord speaks to you all, and I've talked about this before That as He gives you things for the body that you're more than welcome to share here because this is disciple community, two words easy to remember. And, uh, and we're here to be a community of, of believers. And so, again, the pulpit isn't something to be attained for me. It's a platform to speak and declare and proclaim and testify about who God is. And he's given you declarations and proclamations and experiences to testify of who he is, is as well. And so, anyway, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. It's great to be back And uh, have something from the Lord to give. So we're going to start straight up by reading Luke chapter 15. And it looks like it's about 21 verses, um, verse 11 through 32. And so this is the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. And that word prodigal actually means, um, it means lavish, like, um, but also wasteful in essence, is prodigal doesn't mean that he returned prodigal meant that he wasted his inheritance in this overtly lavish kind of foolish way um, And so let me read this it says jesus continued There was a man who had two sons The younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate So he divided his property between them And not long after that the younger son got together all he had He set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. I did that like in my 20s. I didn't squander wealth, but I got in debt over my foolishness. Um, after he had spent everything, and let me tell you that foolish living, wild living cost you more than just wealth, right? And so it says after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And I would just say that that famine was like a prophetic physical indication of this, the status of his heart right he spent everything and all of a sudden there's famine he has nothing left right and so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs Um, and just a quick side note this would have been a Jewish individual who would have had to lower himself below the standard of the law to then find himself in a unclean situation right just little tidbits there It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. And go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, I'm going to insert some speculation here. And I think this particular speculation may go against anything that you may have heard concerning this story before. But just allow me to submit it for consideration. It says that he came to his senses. It doesn't say that he felt guilt and remorse or cut to his heart for the sin that he had committed. The sensible thing in the situation is to figure out how to get out of the situation. He thinks to himself, my father's hired servants eat better than I do. My father's gracious and merciful. Perhaps he'll receive me as one of his servants. Right? And so... He, uh, he says, I've sinned against heaven. Here, he, And this is where he he says he sins. But he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. And so I wonder, I wonder, and this is, this is where I'm going to go with, I wonder if he was just crafting the words that he knew would put him back in an okay situation. Or was he truly cut to the heart and did he realize that he had sinned? Now, we can argue both points. But the reason I present this point is because, I think that oftentimes we consider the right words to say in a situation to make the situation better. And then we say those words hoping that the circumstance is going to change. But what happens is when we approach God in that manner, he is always going to blow us out of the water with the way that he responds to us. When we try and bargain with the father right, and we try and earn or just say the right things to him, he's always going to respond with more than what we thought we would receive. And so I think the prodigal son in this moment thought, okay, here's what I'm going to say. And when I say these things, my father is going to receive me. And we're going to see why that, why that's an interesting point and how that plays in to uh, the coming scripture. So it says he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So just in this moment, understand that the son had crafted his apology. He'd crafted his apology. He'd already thought about what he was going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. And here's how I'm going to say it. And so when I approach my dad, I'm going to say these things. And even before he could speak a word, the father saw him and didn't respond to what he said they didn't respond to any kind of remorse or confession. He simply met him in love. And that's an amazing thing because the father was filled with love and compassion for him. And it says that he kissed him and that the father ran. And so I've heard in other times that people have preached this sermon that it was an interesting thing for a, a, a lord over an estate to run. There was no reason for them to run. And it was actually, so there was a, a, an air of shame around him pulling up, girding up his loins and then running because they would have had to pull up their, their garb and run. And so just a little bit to consider there that the father would in essence shame himself and run to the son. And so it says, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be, uh, be called your son. So he barely gets out one statement of what he'd said that he was going to say, right? Right. Even in that moment while he's being met with love and compassion being kissed Intimately by his father his father pouring out love over him. He was a sinner. He, He squandered his wealth He asked his dad for his inheritance He went out and and did some vile things and was living in this vile situation And he thinks he's going to be met one way and the father meets him in another way So he only gets out one word And then the dad the father says this but the father said to his servants quick Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So here's the son who's returned. He's just thinking, I'm going to apologize and become a servant. And he's already, I would say, flabbergasted or stupefied at the amount of love and reception that he's getting from the father. And I think a lot of us have a misunderstanding of who God is. And we, are, we have a woefully inadequate understanding of the amount of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love that the Father has for us. And we function in such a way. So that we're always on edge, or perhaps if I read my Bible more, perhaps if I begin to serve here, perhaps, and we begin to think, perhaps if I do this, well then my Father will receive me. And we function this way. And that's an issue of our heart, and that's an issue of a woefully inadequate understanding of the love of the Father for us. And so I believe that the Father, today on Father's Day, wants to increase our knowledge and our understanding of the magnitude of His love for us, and how deep and how wide and how long it truly is. And i tell you that when we begin to even understand that love, it, it changes our life tremendously. This morning as I moved into a time of prayer, I almost, for just a moment, Began to ask forgiveness for my inadequacies throughout the week Now it's okay To confess sin and we ought to confess sin But for some reason if I don't live up to a certain standard in my walk throughout the week And i'm scheduled to preach on a sunday morning I come to this place to where I feel ashamed and inadequate to then preach the word. And it's, if, it's as if I have to approach the father and begin to beg for him to use me. I, father, you, you've, you've gifted me, you've called me. I'm stepping out in authority and sonship and identity in Christ. It's not about what I have or haven't done. It's about who he is and what he has done and what he has said about who I am. And so there's a part of me that was almost saying, God, I know I haven't prayed this week. I know I haven't read my Bible a lot I mean, what sort of standard was I placing on myself to make me feel adequate this morning to then come up here and say, okay, I'm good to preach? Right? I could hold myself to some standard, and oftentimes I'm going to fall from that standard. So then what do I do? I just live this life where I'm, I feel adequate now, I don't feel adequate. I feel adequate now, I don't feel adequate. And back and forth and, and shaky and t- t- tossed about by every wind of doctrine and thought. This is not who he's called us to be. So this morning, I was able to step in and say, Father, I know who you are. I know who I am because of you. I know that you've gifted me. I know that your spirit is in me. I know that I'm your son. I know that there is an immense an immense ocean of grace to draw from a well of grace that doesn't run dry love that is that covers all sin. And because of who Jesus is, I come in and I thank you for his blood covering me and I am in Christ and I am worthy because of who he says I am. And I thank you that you've given me this sermon and it's going to flow from me because of your spirit in me, in me, not because I've worked to achieve a certain status, right? That is a very different place. And the Lord wants to expand our understanding And he wants to take us into a deeper level of our understanding of our love for him. And I think this is what the prodigal son experienced. He thought his father was one way and would react another. Yet even though he had lived with his father up until this point, he had no idea of the depth of the love of his father for him. He thought, my my father's merciful and he'll make me a servant. And he'll receive me only if I work for him. Right? So it says this. He gets this reception, right? He barely gets a word out. The dad's already arms around him, hugging and kissing on him, saying, give him clothes, give him a robe, give him sandals, give him a ring. Let's have a party. He's here. And before he can even turn and blink, they're celebrating his return. And so it says, meanwhile... for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he says, my son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is now alive. He was lost and he's found. And so what we have here is a situation where you have a son who desired, um, who was living out living out his responsibility without relationship and then here was this other son who left relationship and wanted to give himself his own responsibility. He didn't want to come under the authority of his father. He said, "I want to come out from under your authority. I want to come out from under your will. I want you to give me all of my inheritance, and then I'm going to go." But then the other son was functioning under the understanding that if I simply do what my father asked me to do and I do the work that he's asked me to do, well then I'll be good, and then we'll be good. And so what we had was responsibility without relationship. And I think oftentimes we desire the responsibility without the relationship. How many times have we said to God, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it? Because we're looking for some sort of activity, right? If God said, well, you know, Jason, it's pretty easy. Just twist that green straw and then set that mic to the right just a little bit. Boom, I'm done, right? But what does that accomplish? The father desires intimate relationship with us before he, he desires for us to step into responsibility. And it's from that place of relationship that we find our responsibility. It's from us knowing who he, he is that we find who we are. And we must seek him and seek him first. And I think that with this story, the father wants us to reroute our thinking. He wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we see that he desires us first, and then our responsibility and our works will come later. We talk about we're not saved by works, but once we're saved, we have faith and works. But it's because faith is... Initiates and institutes relationship with god the father and it's from that place that we figure out who we are our giftings We know that the spirit has come in us and has given us certain abilities And then from the heart of the father in us that we learn from seeking the heart of the father We then have a heart for others according to the heart he has for us. Does that make sense? We seek his heart. We gain his heart We get his heart and from that heart we do the things that he would do in those situations because we know him Right? Remember these braces that said, what would Jesus do? I think we can do the works of Christ and miss the heart of Christ. We can seek to look and act and sound like Jesus and completely miss his heart. And this is where he said, many will come on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I do this, didn't I do that? I, I uh, adopted an orphan. I helped the widows. I went on a mission trip. I fed the poor. I did this, did that. And he's like, I never knew you. And we get that situation where the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. It's an interesting way to, re- to respond to the son who's complaining about not ever getting, getting a calf. But let me tell you this about the meal. This is why the in- this instance of the calf was so critical and so indicative of the heart of the father. You get the son who comes back and simply wants to work for God. God, just tell me what I need to do. I'm so sorry. I just, I just want to live for you. I just want to work for you. I just want to step into my calling. I want, to, I want to do, 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 do. And then the father says, slay the fattened calf. Because he knew, first of all, I don't know if you've ever, I haven't personally, but I have heard and I've been the recipient of slain calf's meat. <laughs> slain, slain calf meat. Right cow, so hey, we got a quarter cow, right It's a lot of meat, especially an entire animal. That's just not one meal, like we're going to grill a steak and hang out, and then tomorrow let's go to work. This is in order to consume all of that meat, there would have been multiple feasts over multiple days, and eating a meal happens over a table, and they would have reclined at the table, which is indicative of rest after having. Lived this life and squandered his wealth. The dad didn't say a a word about any of his money. And in that instance, he even gave him more of what he already had. Because the son had already squandered all his wealth. It said he took everything that was his with him and he went. So when he came back and the dad says, Go get a robe, it wasn't the son's leftover robe that he forgot to pack. It was the dad's robe and it was the dad's best robe. And it was the dad's ring, and it was the dad's sandals, and it was the dad's calf. And so even after the son squandered what the father had already gave him, the father had more to give. How about that? And so this meal would have taken place. They would have rested and reclined at the table. And the son would have probably been like, well, when are we going to get to work? Like, I need to make this up. And the dad's like, we got weeks of just chilling. Because this is the desire of the father's heart for us. Is He just wants to spend time with us intimate time there's going to be there's going to be time where we need to take care of things and he's going to give us responsibility so i want to i want to move in just to this moment um, where i i focus on the giving of the ring the giving of the sandals and the giving of the robe because i believe this has a profound implication is pregnant with deep spiritual truth for us so we know it wasn't the son's robe that the servants went and got and put on the son. It was the father's robe. And it's interesting because scripture tells us that we are clothed in righteousness, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and we put on Christ, and he gives us new robes. He gives us white, clean robes. And so it's his identity that's placed on us. It's not us striving to attain a new identity. It's placed on us and i can imagine the son sitting there with this robe like man this is my dad's best robe what is going on i don't deserve this i god i or father i squandered your wealth i slept with prostitutes i was living with pigs it's so against everything that you've ever taught me and he's sitting here just like in this robe like what is happening i I've done everything wrong, and I've been given everything that is good. How is this just? How is this right? And it's because of the great love that the father had for his son. So there was, I want to talk just a little bit about these items, but I want to make these statements first so we can understand And so imagine sitting there and put yourself in this situation, having experienced what the son has experienced, and now you're reclining at the table, and you've got a ring, a robe, sandals, and a fattened calf, and you're with your father whom you betrayed. And you look down and you see a a ring on your finger signifying authority that you've not earned. A ring on your finger signifying authority you've not earned. And you have sandals on your feet showing status you've not strived to attain. And you're living in sonship and freedom you've not purchased and can never afford. And you're eating at a table of intimacy, consuming food and having your fill of that which will never leave you empty. And you're here in this moment and you're just blown away that your actions, despite your actions, When you came back to the father, you were met with this kind of reception. And so let me talk a little bit about the ring. The ring would have been a signet ring, and that that would have had an emblem on it showing the, the family crest. So that before when he left, he had cut himself away from identifying with this family. But as soon as he gets back, I'm guessing the father realizes, hey, there's no ring on his finger. We need the world to know that he's part of this family. Right, And not only does the ring on his finger show that he's part of a family, it also shows that he has the authority that that family has. So he's given back an authority that was not his when he left the family. And so not only does it signify I'm part of this family, I have authority to make decisions based on the values and the name of this family. And he's given authority. And so let me just tell you that as sons of the living God, we've been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. That is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in Christ. Amen. And so when we're marked with the spirit, we have then the authority that the family has. We have the authority that the father has. We have authority from Christ where he says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples and proclaim the gospel and baptize and do these things. So now that we're, we're a part of the family, we're in the family, we've been sealed and marked, we can now move forward in our responsibility with an authority that we didn't have before. We're given new authority. And then the sandals on the feet showing status we've not strived to attain. The servants would have been barefoot. And obviously the son came back. He'd lost all he had. He was barefoot. And the first thing he says is, put sandals on his feet. He's no servant in this estate. He's my son. And so he was reestablished as part of the family. And he had status again that he didn't strive to attain, but was given freely because of the love of the father. And so we've got the robe Again, which is the righteousness of Christ, the Father's robe that He puts on us so that we look like Him. Amen? And then living in sonship and freedom we've not purchased and could never afford. And so obviously, this son had squandered everything he had. He had nothing to give and he returns to the Father and the Father gives him everything that he lacked and everything that he didn't have before. And so... Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, "Give me my inheritance or yeah, give me oh excuse me. Verse 11 in this story says, "Give me my inheritance." And he wanted riches without relationship. But the relationship is the riches. Philippians 4:19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which we have been given in Christ Jesus and so all of our inheritance all of our riches everything that the son thought he might have wanted apart from his father was actually found in relationship with his father and then some and it's the same thing with us everything that we need and everything that we desire is our inheritance in Christ Jesus and it's in that relationship where we gain those things and it's because of the love of the father and his mercy and his forgiveness that we can gain those things And so I just think we need to consider a little bit more, or maybe even meditate as we leave, what it really means to be clothed with the Father's robes, to be given authority in the Father, and with authority comes responsibility, and to be given status as a son of God. What does it mean to be a child of the living God? What does it mean to be given a seal of the Holy Spirit, promising our inheritance, but then giving authority to speak and proclaim and act on behalf of the Father and His will to build His kingdom and His estate. What does that mean? To be clothed in righteousness, to be given righteousness that is not your own, but then to move forward and wear that and even not to take it off. Because it's as if in those moments where I approach the throne and I begin to want to apologize for the things that I've not done, that momentarily I've taken the robe off and left it beyond the veil and I've forgotten who I am as I move into that place. Just a couple nights ago, I was in a time of prayer and I was approaching the Father and it was like I didn't want to approach the Father but I knew I needed to. So it's kind of like, you know, I you know, imagine just walking into, into a room and you kind of peek around the edge. And you're like, Dad, are, are you there? You know, and I kind of walked in and and almost started this, this woe is me. Oh, I know I'm not worthy. And, ah, duh. and it was as if Jesus was right next to me holding my arm and saying, am I not with you? Are you not? with me and in me and so it's as if we continued to walk into the presence of the father and and i I began to speak and say okay god like i'm sorry i know i've sinned and and it was as if god in his authoritative voice rose up and and said am i not changing you (laughs) and he had to remind me of the work that he's doing in me and reminding me like scripture says that we, you and I, all of us who are in Christ, we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And we are being washed through the water, the cleansing of the water of the word. And we will be presented pure and blameless without spot or blemish. And on that day when we when we approach the Father as the bride of Christ, we will be pure and blameless. And oftentimes we forget that we will be those things, and right now we are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we're living this life, and we're breaking off all of those impurities and those imperfections, and he's sanctifying us. It means making us pure, making us holy. He's, he has taken the, the coal, or he's taken the metal, and he's stuck it into the fire, and he's twisting it, burning off the impurity so that when it comes out, it is pure and blameless. And so we're living in the fire. We're living in the kiln. We're, we're living burning off the impurities. And as we continue to submit ourselves to the Father, those things are falling off and he's changing us. And so I approach him apologizing for not being this perfect thing. And he's saying, I'm making you that perfect thing. And you have Jesus by your side and you're covered in the blood. Get in here and boldly approach the throne and receive your mercy and grace in your time of need. Because he's ready to give it. And that's what that means. We can boldly approach the throne of the Father. We don't have to, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and if you'll just make me your servant. And this is what we do. This is practical as we approach the Father in prayer. It's the place where we know we right? He's in us and we're in him and we just say, Lord, and we begin to approach him. But how many times do we come with this prepared speech thinking that if we just get these words out, well, then we're going to be good. Oftentimes he shuts us up and he reminds us of who we are because of who he is. And he says, look at the robe, look at the ring, look at the sandals. Let's sit down and have a meal. I love you. (laughs) Here you are. Let's feast. And the beautiful thing about the story is that uh, scripture tells us in Revelation, it says, blessed are those who are invited to the banquet feast, the wedding feast of the lamb and the bride. And that he prepares a table for us in, in the presence of our enemies. And that when we, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a day of judgment. But let me tell you, when we, we stand in that place in Christ, judgment has already come on him. So he sees the one who was judged and we stand righteous and then we feast And we sit and we eat. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody opens the door and comes in, I will sit down with him and I will dine with him. Because as we approach the Father, his heart is to spend this intimate time with us. To be met with love and compassion and heavenly kisses. And then to sit at a table and feast and feast and feast. Because what the table does for us is it gives us uninterrupted time. And it gives us eye-to-eye contact. And this is where the Lord desires to have us. In that place of rest. In that place of feasting. And again, that, I, the statement that I made. Feasting on food and consuming that which will never leave us empty. And it's in the presence of the Father. And it's through the love of the Father. And it's with intimacy with the Father where we find that place where we're filled And so I just submit to consider what it's like and how on a daily basis remind yourself of the robe you've been given, the righteousness of Christ, the ring, the seal of being in the family of God as a child who's loved, who's been given authority to go and make disciples and proclaim who he is and be on mission and act on behalf of and in the name of Jesus and do what you see the Father doing to build his estate and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And remember the sandals that you've been given, that we're not servants, but we're sons. And we can move forward in full understanding of our identity, of who we are in Christ, because we understand who God is. God is a God that has a love that doesn't end. There's a well of grace that doesn't run dry. God is a God who's going to meet us and lavish us and be prodigal in a sense he will lavish love on us more than we even expected based on our our woefully inadequate understanding of the magnitude of his love for us let's ask the father to expand our understanding of who he is and approach him in that regard no longer whimpering and cowering before the Father, but coming boldly on the arm and under the blood of Christ, approaching the Father, saying, here I am. And in those moments, he'll remind us of who we are because of who he is. And he'll smash all of that broken, limited thinking that we approach him with. Amen? So let me pray. And I believe Dan has something to share just after this. So, Father, I just pray very simply for... A, uh, an expanded understanding. God, a fullness. God, I pray for deeper revelation and understanding of your love for us as a good, good father and that because of your love for us, we understand who we are and how that impacts us on a daily basis. So, Father, deeper revelation of understanding of who you are as father and deeper revelation and understanding of knowledge of who we are as your children. God, deeper understanding of our authority in Christ Deeper understanding of our sonship in Christ. Deeper understanding of our responsibility in Christ. And deeper understanding of your desire for intimacy with us. Deeper understanding of our stance of being righteous in Christ and robed and clothed with power from on high. So, Father, I pray just over us to find that deep, intimate place today and and as we leave this place, God, and I ask also that for those of us who may have approached in a cowardly, shameful, guilty fashion to the throne, God, that you would rework that whole situation in our heads and our hearts, remind us of who we are, remind us of who Christ is, and allow us to begin to boldly approach because of who Jesus is and what he's done, not because of what we have or haven't done. So, Lord, I just, I thank you. I pray you just seal this all up, God, and deposit it deep within our hearts. And I pray that that seed would begin to grow and bring forth a harvest of righteousness. And that, God, from that place, there would be more declaration and more authority and more power on the things that we speak and proclaim about who you are. And so it's all in Jesus' name. Amen.